This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he put oh, he's going to What's he up the right sideline? Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football. I am your host, Mike Craven, college football insider here at Dave Campbell's. Joined as always by producer Mal Pal. How are you doing this week, Mal Pal? Hey, I'm doing good. Feels good to, good. to be here. We are missing one-third of our normal cast. Ishmael is out, I think, vacationing in the Midwest. Yes. Chicago. I don't know if I want to give his exact locations. But we are here with Greg Powers, recruiting expert for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Powers! For our first section. Um, today we're going to talk about Arch Manning committing to Texas and what that means for the Longhorns. Obviously a lot of momentum there in Austin right now. Katie Davis back to North Texas, a huge addition I don't even know if that's an addition, a re-addition uh, for North Texas defensively. And then we re, uh, we released our all-state college teams, so mm -hmm. we'll talk about that as well. And then we have Harvey uh, Javi Cardenas. I've only known him for 10 years. I should be able to say his name uh, to talk UTSA football later. So uh, let's get going with the Arch Manning stuff. Last week, Arch Manning, obviously nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, uh, committed to the Longhorns since then. Texas has added nine commitments, including Jonte Cook, wide receiver from DeSoto, another five-star today. When I wrote the Big 12 recruiting story about two weeks ago, Texas was in the mid-20s. I think they were like 27th in the nation recruiting. The last time I looked, they were second. So, mm -hmm. uh, Powers, in your opinion, uh, kind of what is Texas getting with Arch Manning, and how much does that help kind of their recruiting momentum to get kind of like that flagship guy in this class? Well, I'm going to answer your second question first here because since Arch Manning has committed to Texas, they've picked up nine commitments, and it's been under a week. I think it's been just six days since he's made his commitment. So more than one commitment every day. Kind of cherry on top of that commitment parade was this afternoon when uh, DCTF's number one rated wide receiver, Jontae Cook, pulled the trigger on his commitment to Texas, um, giving Arch Manning, you know, a key piece, I think, in the passing game. And we've all seen what Steve Sarkeesian can do with a good wide receiver crop. As a matter of fact, we've seen what he can do with wide receivers who aren't that <laughs> highly rated as well. You know, so he's a guy who knows how to to get the receiver open and get him the football, which I think is integral uh, in their success as they move forward. Arch is rated as the number one player in the country, the number one rated quarterback in the country. And I've been doing scouting reports and for over 20 years, 15 of those 20 years, I was responsible for rating players, you know, across the country, looking at players from other states, covering all of the big events, the opening uh, Under Armour All-America game, uh, U.S. Army All-American Bowl, now just the All-American Bowl. Um, so I've seen a lot, a lot of top talent in my heyday scouting top recruits, right? So... I, you know, Arch is a guy who I think has the pedigree. You have to understand how to be a great college player to be any good at all, right? That's Check that first box, yeah. right? He's going to have the people in his corner to help coach him up, and, and he knows probably what it takes to be a good quarterback. Secondly, I feel like he's done a pretty good job of handling the fame of being the number one rated recruit. He's not a guy who's out there – uh, clamoring for attention, um, or really, he, I I would say in some ways that he shies away from some of it, but I don't see it as a negative thing. Like you have to worry about, is he assertive enough to be the leader? He's a leader. You know, I don't think that there's anything that you have to worry about. Like, is he too meek or and a, meager? And a lot of those kids, when they're when they're young and in high school and going through this recruiting process, they almost need that attention to build up their their profile right right get their brand going now in the nil world you know as we saw with arch's commitment tweet he doesn't need to do any of that he's already a manning i think it was the most liked commitment tweet of all time or something according to some people so uh he doesn't need yeah. to kind of go out and get that attention he already has the last name i i agree with you like the fact that peyton and eli have been there done that can only help him you know like any question he has any bit of adversity he goes against he can just call 
one of the right. best quarterbacks of all time in Peyton Manning, a two-time Super Bowl champion in Eli Manning. And so uh, a lot of good in his corner. You know, I don't know if I'm convinced that Arch Manning is – Vince Young or Quinn Ewers and those are the only two guys that have ever been rated as high as he is right but I do think the benefit of having a Manning committed to your program is almost immeasurable Mm -hmm. right because Steve Sarkeesian coming after off of five and seven season can go to every recruit now and go the Manning family trusts me with their next jewel right Right. like Arch is up next in this family that's seen everything and knows basically every person in college football and they chose me Steve Sarkeesian I think that's more valuable than him as a quarterback and then the next note is I you know I've seen a lot of people with the Quinn Ewers thing like oh is Quinn gonna is Quinn gonna transfer how is that gonna work I think it's set up perfectly right like Quinn Ewers gets to be the quarterback for the next two years. Arch Manning comes in 2023, washes for a year, and then he gets to be the quarterback for two years. If you're Steve Sarkeesian, I don't know how this offseason could go any better. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, different recruiting services rate players for different reasons. High, highly, right? Uh, At 24-7 Sports, we rated players there – based upon their NFL potential. Mm-hmm. Your number one player in the country, you felt like he could be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Um, here at DCTF, I have more of a focus on, I think, college production over – you always want to rate to some sort of NFL hype, right? Sure. But I look at a guy as what could his college potential be. Can I'm, he, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Can he lead a team it. to a national championship? Can he be a All-American um, is he going to be all conference? Those are the things I look for when I kind of pick and choose the top 50, which are the four-star guys. And then when the top five comes, you factor in a little bit more. Can they, are they a national name? Like Garrett Wilson, number one rated player in the state, because I thought he could go off to college and be in the Heisman race, right? That's what I was thinking there. And you can rate some guys on upside. I think Arch Manning, six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, showcases a plus arm, over sixty five percent accuracy on a three year high school career. He's going to be a four year starter. Um, there are a lot of boxes to check there. Um, I'm a bit of a Texas high school football snob. Yeah, well, admittedly now. Right. You know we're blessed here to see great players in great programs playing for great coaching staffs mm-hmm. and. That is what concerns me a little bit as I look at Arch, if anything, is what type of competition does he play um, week in and week out, and does that translate exactly as what we would think is like a a top-rated Texas high school football talent. Um, But you know what? Louisiana produces a lot. (laughs) A lot. They do. You're right. Of great stars, not only for college football, but there are a lot of great players playing in the NFL. So that's just like a very small critique. If you want to critique getting the number one player in the country, right? Right. Yeah, I do think it's an important point, right? He doesn't play 6A Texas football. You know, like Mm -hmm. we saw Quinn Ewers play against Westlake's defense. Like we saw Vince Young make a really long run in the high school playoffs. Like we've never seen Arch not be the best player on the field. Like he's far and away uh, the best player on every field he gets to. But if Ewers is what everybody thinks that Ewers is, he's going to have a year to kind of figure that out and catch up, and he won't have to just be like the savior right away. And I think that's that's important for Sark. Uh, Before we let you go, what do you think Texas is getting in Jonte Cook? I know you're really high on him. I've kind of been out of the recruiting game for a little bit while, a little while now, so I don't follow it as closely. Like He's a five-star guy out of DeSoto. What does he bring to the Longhorn? I compared him. My comparison for him, and I just made it, we did like a re- recruiting recap of the Texas 7-on-7. I didn't know that Jonte Cook was going to pull the trigger on his commitment today to Texas. But the 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 guy who I compare him to is Hollywood Brown. Mm. I think that that's a pretty solid comparison. I think Jonte is a guy who probably fits most naturally in as a slot wide receiver at the next level. Six foot, 5'11", six foot, 170-ish pounds. Very quick off the line. Very fluid. Um, great feet. Uh, catches the ball very naturally. I think that he is a guy who operates better in space, but I think he can go outside and provide some burst up the sideline or make some plays deep down the field. Now, I think Hollywood is like a true outside receiver. He's not your typical outside receiver. So I think Jontae Cook fits in that mold as a guy who might fit in best Mm -hmm. as a slot-wide receiver in college but can flip out and do some things on the outside as well to add some versatility to the offense. He's the number one rated 
wide receiver in the DCTF rankings this year, which kind of tells you a lot because we produce a lot of really good wide receivers. This is a huge pickup. I think that he's the type of guy who will be a ringleader yeah. for the class. I think that he's a, he'll work the phones. He'll work social media, try to get other guys to join the club. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to win a national championship. And I find it interesting that I spoke with him following the state seven on seven. And he's, he's into Arch Manning going to be mm-hmm. on the team. He's into Quinn Ewers being on the team. But he realizes that for him, a good quarterback is like a bonus to what he was looking for. He, I think he had a great quote when he says, Steve Sarkeesian can get a 5-0 flat wide receiver open in his offense. Right. And I think yeah. that's the reason why he picked Texas. And Arch Manning, Quinn Ewers, they're just like a cherry on top of yeah. kind of everything that culminated in his recruitment. I feel like this week has validated Texas's hiring of Steve Sarkeesian. Right, like this was the plan. I know five and mm-hmm. seven wasn't the plan. Losing second half leads wasn't the plan. But the idea of bringing in this offensive guru that everybody respects, from old guys like Peyton Manning to young guys like Jonte Cook, recognize that Steve Sarkeesian is this offensive genius. Coming off of a five and seven season to be able to do this is impressive. It's wild. Imagine if they win ten games. Like I love what that momentum <laughs> can be like. At I love what you said. Aiden's class. <laughs> He's bought it. He he bought more years. You yeah. Know, he's he's bought extra time there because right. you're not gonna, you're definitely gonna not put a lot of pressure on the job there till you can see what Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Because I I thought this year was going to be interesting for Steve Sarkeesian, right? Like he went five and seven year one. We know Texas fans don't have a lot of patience. Let's say they get beat by forty by Alabama and go seven and five this year. Well, that hot seat ratches it up. Mm-hmm. But now with Arch and this recruiting class coming on, I think Tepper mentioned it, it's kind of like A&M, where Jimbo Fisher went eight and four last year. It was a bad year. That was with a win over Alabama. But nobody's talking about Jimbo Fisher being on the hot seat because no. look at all the momentum he has in recruiting. Tom Herman was fired in some part because of his personality, but a large part because he couldn't get Quinn Ewers. He couldn't get the Brockermeyer twins. Garrett Wilson goes yep. to Ohio mm-hmm. State. He got fired after seven and three. I would say Texas fans are more excited right now after a five and seven season because at least they can see that the head coach is bringing in that talent. Well, yep. Just in college football in general, you're going to see more guys get whacked after two years. Yeah, this is com- this is coming, folks. Like there is no comfortability now as a college football head coach. The NIL. Um, transfer portal, all that stuff has changed college football in such a way that it you have to win now. Right. And if you're at a program that has money and can afford to, for lack of a better term, buy players, right? you can't afford to sit back and rack up L's, you mm-hmm. know, unless there's like a um, pathway to success or some, you know, things like Arch Manning in your yeah, future. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a win now game. And a five and seven year again this year, I think would have, forecasted doom there but even with a five and seven year now i don't think that you can talk hey coach sark is in trouble at right. texas and i don't know what the, I, unless rd commits i'm not a college football expert i well i mean i love to watch college football don't get me wrong but i don't know like is their schedule played out favorably where that's not an op not an option are they going to go five and seven that's where i defer to you how does that schedule kind of shape up this season i mean it's a tough schedule with alabama being at home and just not knowing what texas is i think their problems are defensively and that that's where they're going to have to figure this stuff out like i i believe sark's going to always have an offense kind of like what cook said he can make a 5.0 wide receiver open right so they're going to score points it's going to be about defense and to me Texas's landing point is 2024. That's where we're all hearing that the SEC yep. entrance is going to happen. That roster needs to be ready by 2024. Stack. Having Arch on deck kind of shows that momentum going that way. And Sark, no matter what the record is this year, he can kind of point to the future and go, look, I'm still dealing with guys that I inherited. Look at the guys I'm bringing, even with these records. Once we get this rolling and we're in the SEC, we're going to be all the way up. Because as much as we've kind of given Sark the props for getting Arch, Arch isn't coming if Texas isn't going to the SEC. Right. The fact that Texas is going to the SEC, coupled with Sarkeesian's offensive acumen, I think makes them a destination spot. We'll see if defensively can catch up with the offensive. I recruiting. think Texas is recruiting strongly to the SEC. Looking yep. at the offensive line recruits that they just brought in, they picked up four O-line commits in that group of nine that we kind of talked about off the top. Andre Kojo, six foot six, three hundred and forty-five yeah. or three hundred and thirty pounds. Connor Stroh, six foot seven, three hundred and forty-five, three hundred and fifty pounds. They're getting big. You know what I mean? Like these, they're going for the hog mollies up front that can, you know, 
lay the groundwork to open up holes when they move to the SEC. Mm-hmm. These are the type of guys they are recruiting, and I like what they've done in recruiting. Last year's class was really good. They've sandwiched that uh, into what could be in the race to be the number one overall class in the country this year. They have talent at okay. Texas. It's going to be on the roster, especially by the year 2023. Yep. They just need that defensive line. If they, they they need a defensive line class, kind of like how A&M had last year, where there's just like multiple impact guys in that. It's going to be fun, right? If like Texas follows Texas A&M's class, like if, right. if they go back-to-back, number one classes, like it's a good sign for college football in the state of Texas. And uh, it's exciting it's, to see. It's yep. funny. To, it is funny to see how they do it different, though. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you hit – you hit the nail right on the head. Texas A&M went heavy on the defensive front, had a lot of success there, whereas I feel Texas has really done a great job quarterbacks, wide receiver, running back. Yep. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out too. All righty, sir. We appreciate it. We will now talk about K.D. Davis coming back to North Texas, a big college news there. Like K.D. Davis, for those who don't know, leading tackler at North Texas uh, in the magazine – Go subscribe and get one of <laughs> good these. Good promo. Good get promo. One of these beautiful things. <laughs> In the magazine, we have KD Davis listed as the best linebacker. Yep. He's a first team All State uh, guy. Uh, and he was the player profile for North Texas section. So I thank KD Davis personally uh, for saving uh, some of the college football <laughs> magazine yeah. information stuff. But a big deal for North Texas, for those who don't know, he entered the transfer portal about a week and a half ago. Uh, went on a visit to A&M, was also getting a lot of interest from Ole Miss, decided to come back to North Texas. Uh, it's a big boost for Phil Bennett in that defense. He's only 97 tackles away from being the all-time uh, leading tackler in North Texas history. So uh, after losing the Murphy Twins on defensive line to UCLA yeah. in the transfer portal, they could not lose Katie Davis. I think this was this was a sigh of relief. Right? I was going to say, if you're a North Texas fan, you can kind of breathe a little bit better now knowing that your defense is probably going to still be okay even though they lost the Murphy Twins. Yeah. But I think that North Texas was kind of in a panic, in panic mode, oh, to say the least. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're if you losing three of your starter stars, not even start like stars on defense, you're kind of hitting panic mode at that yeah. point, you know? Well, and it just says, it says something about the program, right? If all your exactly. best players are jumping out into this transfer portal and leaving, especially late into the summer, you know, that, that speaks volumes, right? So for, for Latrell, Phil Bennett to get him back on campus is big. Huge I win. find this interesting, right? Like, I think we're going to see this more and more where mm-hmm. guys go test the waters, like yes. to go see what's out there, whether it be money, whether it be playing time, whether it be a bigger platform. And this is just my uninformed opinion. But I believe that Katie Davis kind of went to Ole Miss, went to Texas A&M, and realized, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to be a guy on this defense. If I'm at North Texas, I am the, the guy. guy. And if I have a senior season in the same way I had a junior season, I'm going to leave North Texas as one of the top five players ever in this program. I'm going to be in the Hall of Honor. I'm going to be a legend. Right. And so he came back, and which, re- which brings up, I think, an interesting question. You know, if you're going through recruiting, if mm-hmm. you're one of these guys – um, do you want to be kind of like top dog at a place like North Texas yeah. or, you know, a guy at a place like A&M? I can tell you 100% in confidence that I would much rather be the guy at a program like North Texas than just the second string linebacker that may get in at A&M when they play Louisiana or something, you right. know, when they're blowing them out. Just because like, like you, I think we talked about this earlier, North Texas, you're going to get into the Hall of Fame. Kate, Katie Davis is probably going to get into the North Texas Hall of Fame. He's, his name is going to be somewhere in that stadium. You know, you can't really say that confidently if he transfers to A&M and he's just the backup, right? So why not just be the guy at North Texas and then your legacy kind of just lives on there? You know, like Mean Joe Green. Yep. People are still talking about him. That was years ago. So Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I would kind of be the same way. I mean, it's one, one of the reasons I took this job, right? You know, like yeah. I, I – <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always kind of liked being like, you know, like the guy on my own kind of doing it, you know, uh-huh, doing the uh-huh. thing like, you know, at, at the Statesman, I was like the recruiting writer here. I get to be the college writer and everybody else is kind of dealing with high school stuff. So I definitely enjoy that platform. And maybe if I was a freshman or sophomore, I'd take that chance to go to A&M or Ole Miss. And I have yes, a couple of years a to work into the starting lineup and, and play major football and then maybe, you know, get more looks into the NFL draft. I think nowadays you can get seen anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have an awesome year and you ball out at North Texas, that's not going to stop you from getting drafted. But also, he only has one year left. For so, sure. if you show up to A&M in August 
it's going to be really hard to work yourself into like the starting lineup, right? Right. right. North Texas, you're the dude. Like you yep. are the dude. Uh, so good on North Texas as yep. a, as a you know place that covers all twelve FBS programs. Like we root for them all to be really good. Uh, this helps North Texas a lot. I, I would have been concerned with kind of the momentum and feeling within that program mm-hmm. if a guy like Katie Davis leaves at the end of June. I you think know, that's so just, too. It's just not a good sign. Right. Um, so speaking of Katie Davis, he's on our All Texas. Yeah college football teams uh, we're going to get uh, the first team up there here in a second um, let me just go through the superlatives as well so not only do we do a first team and a second team but we also pick a best of at each position yes best quarterback we picked Clayton Toon from Houston best running back Bajon Robinson from Texas best receiver Tank Dell Nathaniel Dell from Houston best offensive lineman Connor Galvin from Baylor uh, best defensive lineman Siaka Ika uh, defensive tackle from Baylor, you know, two Baylor Bears there as, as offensive lineman, defensive lineman. That's a not, good sign. Not for a them. surprise. <laughs> yeah, not a surprise, but a, a really good sign uh, for Baylor and what they're doing moving forward. Katie Davis, as we mentioned, uh, best linebacker there at North Texas. Antonio Johnson, best defensive back from Texas A&M. And then Austin McNamara uh, got b- best special teams. He's an incredible punter out at, at Texas Tech. So those were kind of those were kind of the big names there um, on that first team all, all state list. If you look at the whole list. Uh, Texas A&M for the second straight year kind of led the way. Last year they led with ten players. This year with eight. Uh, you know, I think five on the first team. Uh, mm-hmm. Bryce Foster, um, Antonio Johnson, as we as we mentioned, Edrin Cooper, a, a linebacker that I'm really a, I think is going to have a huge sophomore year. Um, Antonio Johnson we mentioned. Um, so Anaya Smith I think is the name that I forgot there, utility guy who plays wide receiver. We'll play a little bit more running back this year as well without Isaiah Spiller. So A&M. Still the most talented team mm-hmm. in, the, in the state. Number two, we have Houston. Houston has yep. six players on the all-college team, so that kind of shows kind of the expectations there at Houston. And then, again, I, as we mentioned, we're having Harvey, Javi Cardenas on uh, later on the show to talk UTSA. UTSA was third on that list with five, and I promise that wasn't a homerish, <laughs> a homerish Homer. thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot Ish's bit there. Yeah. <laughs> you want to throw up second team? Yeah, yeah, second team. There it is. So some more Aggies, some more, yep. you know, so we got every, so every single team is represented. Mm-hmm. All 12 FBS teams are represented. And then I think a thing that Shahan did last year that I really liked was he found a spot for an FCS player. Last last yeah. year it was Eric Schmidt from Sam Houston, the quarterback, after leading them to a national title. I think that was that was deserving. And I love the idea to, like, who is the best FCS player? Let's find him a spot. To me, the best FCS player in state this year is Xavier Gibson, wide receiver at no Stephen brainer. F. Austin. Um, you know, he finished seventh last year in the Walter uh, Payton Award uh, voting. And for those who don't know, that's kind of like the Heisman mm-hmm. of FCS. So I think big year coming from S- SFA. And uh, I'm glad that he was able to find a spot on the list because wide receiver is tough. Yeah. As, as Powers was talking about, you know, that recruiting trickles up, right? And like wide receiver is probably the most loaded position in the state. So uh, finding him a spot was great. Yeah. Now, uh, before we move on from talking about the all Texas college. I got a couple questions for you that I wanted to ask. Who do you think was the toughest decision to put on the first team? Yeah. So for me, the toughest spot was quarterback because in my mind, there are three really, really, really good quarterbacks in this state this year going into the year that deserve this kind of recognition. You have Clayton Toon at Houston, Tanner Mordecai at SMU who got second team. And then there's Frank Harris at UTSA, mm-hmm. who led UTSA to their first conference championship, who was a big-time money player for them last year. He, we named him our Offensive Player of the Year yeah. last year, and he's not even on one of the first two teams. So, uh, And being a UTSA guy, I knew I was going to get, 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 <laughs> get some flack for that one. But you know, when all three are kind of equal, to me, all you can do is go by numbers and statistics. And, right, right. You know, Clayton Toon threw 36 touchdowns. Tanner Mordecai threw for 4,000-plus kind of yards, you know. So those guys' stats were just bigger and bigger. Some of that is the offense they play in. Mm-hmm. You know, Tanner Mordecai played for Sonny Dykes, an air raid spread, pass the ball around guy. Clayton Toon plays for Dana Holgerson, an air raid spread the ball around, pass the pass. You know, Frank Harris had Sincere McCormick, and UTSA is a little bit more run-pass even there. Um, so I don't think he's able to put the numbers up. But I, I believe if there's a guy I look back on later in the year, I'm like, ah. I messed that one up. It, it would be Frank Harris. I wish we could have had three spots for quarterback. Right, right. And kind of speaking of that, 
what was the easiest position to f- kind of figure out to put on the first, I guess, and second team? Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest position was probably wide receiver because mm-hmm. there's just so many options, like we mentioned, you know, that, yeah. like Zachary Franklin at UTSA, Xavier Worthy at Texas, Tank Dell at Houston. And I haven't even Quint- mentioned Quentin Johnston at TCU, who's a first-team All-Big 12 guy, right? right? So wide receiver was a, a position where there was almost too many options. Uh, the easiest singular decision was Bajon Robinson for sure right like for sure it was like just pencil that one in probably running back on first team like Bajon Robinson Devon A. Chain clearing away mm-hmm. the top two guys so so running back on the first team was pretty easy and then finding six seven wide receivers was pretty easy as well and that's why both utility guys are wide receivers and not right. Nia Smith and Xavier Gibson wide receivers so really we got eight for eight all-state wide receivers on the list mm-hmm. so and you Kind of already mentioned this, but what was like the biggest omission for you? Was it Frank Harris at that quarterback? I spot? think with Frank Harris, I have an excuse. Yeah, you know, there's like, hey, you know, like look at these other two guys, like they were just as as deserving. Like, who do I leave off? You know, like I was yep. gonna get flat. I think the guy that I maybe undersell a little bit that the more and more time went on is Layden Robinson, the guard at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. People are getting really high on him. He's starting to get a big push into being preseason All-SEC. People are talking about him being a first, second, third-round draft pick next year. So I think if there's a guy who I look back on at the end of the year and I'm like, how did I not put him on the list? Mm-hmm. To me, that's going to be Layden Robinson at Texas A&M. But there was already – you know, with Bryce Foster, Reuben Fothery, there's already two Texas A&M guys on there. Yeah. And, and I think a thing about our list that makes it unique is we're not just picking the flat-out best players. It's not an NFL draft. Right. Right? Like, we have 12 FBS programs to cover. We, we want to spread that ball. around. Exactly. You know, that's what people don't understand. When you're judging a UTEP defensive end versus a Texas A&M defensive end, of course the Texas A&M one probably is higher level talent, but which one's better for their conference? Like exactly. Group to group, right? It's like looking at 2A versus 6A. Maybe the 2A quarterback isn't as good as the 6A quarterback, but he dominates 2A more so than that quarterback dominates 6A. Yeah. So it's taking those things into account, not trying to over – you know, hype one team into the mm-hmm, other. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M coming off an eight and four season. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. I don't think that they're a top ten team in the country. I didn't want to have it too Aggie centric. Um, and so yeah, and so uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Layden Robinson's probably the best player that was left off that list. Yeah, I like that. Now I'm going to put you kind of on the spot here. If you are looking into the future, so this would be this. So this is kind of the 2021 All Texas College team, right? If you're looking at the 2022 All-Texas College team, you're talking to Mike in uh, about a year, Mm -hmm. who can you see on that list? And you don't have to name every single person, but, like, who are a couple of players you're going to watch out for to put on that list this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the guy who's going to be on it next year who wasn't on it this year is Alton McCaskill. That's a great The running back from Houston. Idea. You know, because, I mean, he was on the list. Like, I'll, I'll be yeah. out front with everybody. I made this in, like, late April. You know, and like we didn't go to press until June. And so I was able to kind of go back and tweak it a little bit after talking to more people. But what happened in between Ultimate Castle getting put on the original list and the magazine going out is he tore his ACL. Right. And so can you put a guy on the list if he's going to miss 8, 9, 10, 11, maybe the whole season? Mm-hmm. I don't it know. I could. I, I, I didn't think I should. Right. Yeah. But when he gets back and Bajon Robinson's gone, Devon A. Chain is gone. Alton McCaskill is going to be the best running back in the state. He's the most talented running back in the state, you know, after those guys. And so I think he's a guy who just looking at the list is like, okay, he deserves to be on it, but circumstance kept him off. For sure. Like it. All right. And we're going to transfer into our interview with Javi Cardenas from birdsup.com. Before we do that, though, while we get him on the phone, just want to remind everybody that this is the Republic of Football. We're normally a podcast. This is our second live stream. We're going to continue to do this throughout the summer and into the football season. We hope it's been exciting for you. It's been a lot of fun for us, even if it's nerve-wracking. I get a little nervous with the camera out there. I went into writing uh, for for a reason, so being on camera is a little nerve-wracking. Um, but, yeah, be sure to ch- check us out. Find us on YouTube on Spotify, you know, on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts and, and live video, please give us a shout out. It makes us look good for our bosses, and we all enjoy that. So, uh, also, before we get going on the uh, on the interview, we got Jeff Trailer, Joey McGuire on the cover. Uh, Texas Tech UTSA head coaches. Uh, kind of the story is more about you know high school coaches kind of infiltrating the the college ranks. So please check that out. If you want it early, you got to subscribe there. If you subscribe, you're going to get it before it gets to newsstands. So uh, if you're listening to this and you want the magazine, please go subscribe. I've had so many people ask me like, Hey, when can I get the magazine on stands? And I'm like, you're looking at like 
beginning of August, mid-August. Yeah, and I'm like, we're, we're dealing here's with how the you, same. Here's how you deal with that. You subscribe. We're dealing with the now. same issues as the rest <laughs> exactly. of the country, right? Exactly. Like, you know, paper is the same as baby formula and all the other things that are having right. a hard time getting everywhere. So uh, it's going to be later this year than normal. But if you're a subscriber, you already have it, right? Yep. Like my parents got it. You know, so like I know if you're a subscriber, you already have it. So uh, please go subscribe. And not only do you get the magazine, uh, but we do a lot of stuff online, you know, that we, we, that we used to not do as much online five, 10 years ago. Uh, Dave Campbell's isn't just a magazine company anymore. Uh, so subscribe and get all the content. I think we do a, a great podcasts. job from the high school to the college level and, and in between recruiting with Greg Powers. He does a tremendous job. So I think there's a lot of benefits to subscribe. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's hit it. Javi. Hey guys, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, for those who don't know, I have known Javi Cardenas for, I mean, how long now? Over a decade? Oh man, I was actually looking at that. Yeah, close to it, I think. So Javi runs birdsup.com. I used to run birdsup.com. Uh, <laughs> gave it to Javi, sweat equity. You know, he was a good soldier. Uh, and he's made the site, I'm not just saying this because he's on the line. He's made the site way better than it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I ran it. So uh, go subscribe to birdsup.com. It's part of the, the Rivals Network, and they do a tremendous job covering UTSA football and recruiting. Uh, Javi, thanks for joining us today. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, I wanted to ask you, before we get into, like, the football stuff, as somebody who went to UTSA, who's kind of been around, you know, since this program started, you know, a decade-plus ago now, um, how much, how different is the energy and just the excitement and optimism around Roadrunner football compared to maybe three, four, five, six years ago? I mean, it's it's really a world of difference, you know. I mean, I think the fans have always been excited ever since the football program started, as you know, and that excitement was always there, and then it kind of trailed off a little bit, right, as they, as they struggled a little bit. Uh, but now, these last couple of years, man, it's it's really eye-opening around the city, obviously, you know, around campus uh, when, when you head down there. Um, everyone's excited. Everybody's wearing the Roadrunner gear around town. They've, they've really embraced the team. Uh, tra uh, Jeff Trailer has really, you know, harped on the whole, you know, uh, you, your town, your team kind of uh, mentality, and, and, and the city has kind of backed them up on that. Um, it was pretty amazing, you know, la last year as they, uh, they, they got, the season got going, attendance was kind of, you know, a little average, but you saw it incrementally go up as, as, the, uh, as they kept winning games, right? And they kept winning and they kept winning. And then uh, by the end of the championship game, you saw 40,000 uh, plus at the Alamo Dome, which is something you haven't seen uh, since the Coker years, right, when the team was first started. So it's it's really been incredible to see. Yeah, I mean, when I was on campus, you know, I'm older than Javi, and we didn't have football yet. You know, we had the uh, UTSA still undefeated and football shirts going around back then. But when you would go to class, you were more likely to see somebody in a Texas Longhorn short shirt or a Texas A&M Aggie shirt or Texas, Te you know, like whatever they grew up rooting for. Uh, and going around campus now when I'm there to cover practice or go talk to a coach trailer, it really is amazing to just to see the school spirit and how much that's grown. I, you know, I, I think it, it shows why UTSA wanted to start a football program. Lynn Hickey, the former athletic director, used to always talk about football as like the neon sign outside of a business. You know, it gets you in there. It gets you paying attention. And so, you know, my next question is, is that success that's starting to happen over the last two years, can you feel it on the recruiting trail and in a perception not only around campus and in the city, but from high school prospects and from players across the state who, you know, Coach Trailer's trying to get to UTSA? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think definitely you've seen a difference in the way they're recruiting um, there. It's it's a it's a different level of athlete that they've been recruiting. And we actually made a, made a comment to a couple of my friends that follow the program that the, the recruits that, you know, that usually in the summer, they, they start posting their their uh, work, the workout pictures, right? Of them are on campus. And we made a comment like, hey, man, like these guys didn't used to look like this one when we were covering the program, you know, gosh, like five, six years ago. Um, and that's really your, the difference between, you know, a two-star or three-star recruit or, you know, uh, when they first heard of the program, it was guys that didn't really have a lot of scholarship offers. Uh, well, now, you know, it's guys that have uh, power five offers that, that could have chosen to go to bigger programs and you see them hitting campus and you see the difference physically, right? Which which we could argue is, you know, the big difference between um, a two-star or a three-star three -star prospect is just the, the how uh, – um, how imposing they look when 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 they hit on uh, when they hit campus. So yeah, it's it's been a world difference, you know, with the new facilities. Obviously, winning always helps, but with the with the new facilities, it's just been a world of difference. How they're recruiting right now, they have the number one class in Conference USA. They're off to a great start there, and and I don't see why that wouldn't continue as they uh, 
as they go into the American, obviously they're going to need a higher level of talent, talent to compete there. Uh, and I think they've done a great job of kind of, uh, of being in that direction, you know, to, to competing with the SMUs in the Memphis of the conference. I think it really dawned on me when I, when UTEP and UTSA played last year in UTEP, I had spent the two or three previous days up there doing UTEP stuff. And then when UTSA got in town, coach trailer kind of let me come to the hotel the morning of the game and, and do a story on, you know, how you prep for a road game. And after being around the UTEP players and then going around the UTSA players, there was like a noticeable difference of like the side strength, size and strength of those guys. Uh, and then we saw that on the field. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like that, the program doesn't look the same anymore, right? We we used to look at guys and, you know, they were FCS-type players who were playing a little bit up, and now they're bona fide FBS dudes who are all around. Speaking of a, a few of those guys, you know, I, I think the big question mark for UTSA this year is going to be how they replace Sincere McCormick. As somebody who's around the program, who knows who they brought in, who they still have there, kind of how do you see UTSA uh, replacing that production? Because it's clearly not going to be just one guy, obviously. Uh, but how do they go about kind of remaining a, a run-first team that really threatens teams that way? Yeah, and, you know, uh, Jeff Trailer has always said that they're going to be a, a run-based offense, right? They're going to be multiple. They're going to spread it out a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're still going to be, you know, heavy on the run. Um, losing uh, Sincere is obviously a big loss. But I think they've done a good job in, re in replacing, at least attempting to replace his production, bringing in, you know, a Juco All-American and Ty Edwards, and then the Arkansas TCU transfer, Traylon Smith as well. I think he's probably the biggest uh, addition of the summer. He just gives you uh, another safety blanket there, right? And then you also have Brendan Brady, who decided to come back for his, I guess we can call it his super senior year. Um, so, you know, you're replacing McCormick with three very capable guys. Um, I'm sure it's still going to be tough. I'm sure it's not going to be the same, right? Because they're three different uh, different styles of, of running backs. Um, since you're obviously works the workhorse, right? It's a guy that I remember against Memphis, they gave him the ball 36, 40 times and, and he got those yards and, and you, you know, he was able to be trusted. Now it's going to be a little bit different, right? They're going to, there's going to be two to three guys that you're going to have to lean on for that production. So, um, can they do that is really the biggest question mark. Luckily for them, they have an experienced offensive line. Obviously Frank, Frank Harris comes back a guy that, that can extend his uh, place with his feet. Right. So that's always a good safety blanket to have. And then obviously you have, the receiving corps that uh that are you know some of the best in the, in the conference maybe even the country right with uh, franklin cephas and clark um so the, the the weapons are there right but obviously they, they are missing the biggest piece can they uh, at least try to duplicate that it is the biggest question mark for that offense yeah, it leads me perfectly into my next question. I mean, I, I think I could make an argument that UTSA has the best trio of receivers at the at the G5 level. Do you think we see Frank Harris become a 30-plus attempt a, guy, a game guy just because of how much they trust him, Will Stein, a former, former quarterback, kind of moving into the OC role, sincere not being there, and then those receivers that we mentioned, you know, would it be beneficial for this team to throw the ball a little bit more than maybe Joey McGuire's used to throwing it just to kind of utilize the talent that they have on campus? Um, I think they're going to have to, uh, you know, with, with sincere gone, there's going to be an adjustment period. They're not going to be able to hand it off as much as they did in the, in the la uh, last couple of years. Um, so they're, you know, against, uh, against Houston, against Texas, against army, you know, th th those early games they're going to have to throw the ball a lot until they can really get a sense of what their running game looks like. Um, and I mean, I, I it's been mentioned a couple of times that, you know, their record is probably not going to duplicate what it was last year, right? Everything kind of lined up perfectly for them last year. So, um, there's, I think there's going to be some bumps and bruises with the offense, obviously, you know, trying to figure it out, but I think they're going to have to rely heavily on Harris and their, and their receivers to kind of get, get them through that awkward phase as they figure it out as they head into conference play. Yeah, I mean, I think I could make an argument that UTSA could be a better football team this year and have a much worse record just because of how, how hard the schedule is this year compared to last year. You know, we talk a lot about the offense because it, it, it's kind of the, the sexy position and since McCormick was so good as a two-time conference all-conference all, all, or all USA, you know, player on offense. Um, but for me, when I look at UTSA, I, I think my main questions are on defense. What do you see about that defense? What do you think that they're going to be this year compared to maybe in the years past? I, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, everybody likes to talk about the offense, right? Because it's really what a lot of people focus on. But it's the defense that UTSA has a little bit more questions on. Uh, the defensive line, they lost some talent. They lost some talent in the secondary with the Tyreek Woolen. Um, so it's 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 going to be it's going to be uh, a, a little different. You know, it's um, how do they replace some of those veteran guys, those super senior guys? 
that they've kind of leaned on, right? A guy like Jalen Haynes, a guy like uh, a Dantzler, right? Guys that have been with the program for quite a bit and, and won a lot of games. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the defensive line uh, shaken up. You know, some of those younger guys that they were kind of been sitting in the wings, it's time for them to step out, uh, step up a little bit, right? So how does that work? Um, uh, at linebacker, uh, you you see uh, guys like Ligon, right? Can he take that the leadership role? Can Trevor Harmonson, you know, come back for a super senior year and provide that leadership? Can Wisdom continue to be that that leader in the defense? Um, they brought in uh, Soft Razor, a four-star Juco corner. Uh, Nick Fortune, that uh, a transfer from West Virginia to, to kind of shore up that the cornerback spot. So there, there's a there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, it's a lot of talent, obviously, but but guys that. Uh, uh, we don't know much about. So how is that going to translate, right? It's like, again, it's, it goes into that, that adjustment period and, and the beginning of the season. And, and it might not be, you know, as smooth as it was last year because there's just that familiarity. Maybe by the time conference play, they'll finally reach, you know, where they want to be. But it's definitely going to, the beginning of the year is going to be interesting just to see how these guys kind of step into their new roles. Yeah, I honestly think it almost is beneficial that Jeff Trailer was a high school coach because he needs to treat this year like non-district and district where it's like that, that out-of-conference schedule, like, yeah, It'll be fun to win a few games, but it really doesn't matter. We just need to be who we need to be by conference play. Before I let you go, just to put you on the spot, you know, UTSA starts with Houston, Texas, and Army. What do you think their record is after those three games? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, the optimist in me says one and three, but, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, at least get, get one, one win out of those three. But I mean, there's there's a good chance that it could be winless there, and and like you said, it might not be reflective of how good this team is, and just kind of reflective of, of how good that out of out of conference schedule is. But if I had to say right now, I think they get one game out of those three. I'm not going to say which one, um, but I think they get at least one of those three. And then if I set the over and under at nine, you going over or under in terms of just total wins on the year? Oh come on, um, I'm going to go with under, um, or or you know what, I'll go with the push. Nine. Yeah. Well, that's why I'll I said it at that. nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to. Can you set it at eight and a half? Now, I'll, I'll go with eight. I think eight seems like a, like a good number. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be as as good as last year, like we mentioned. I think eight's a good solid number for, for this team. It's a number that gets you to the conference championship game. I think at the end of the year, um, and it's something that you know fans should be happy with uh, when it's all said and done. All righty, sir. I appreciate the time as always, and uh, I will be there for Houston UTSA. I've already told Kyle Stevens at UTSA that I need my spot reserved, so uh, look forward to week one. All right, man. See you there. Later. That was Javi Cardenas from birdsup.com. Please go subscribe. I think I still get royalties. Um, <laughs> you have to. I, I know I for like a fact. should. <laughs> I know for a fact I still pay for the GoDaddy renewal. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, one of the best things about having me as a friend is I'm lazy. Right. So like if it's just like about an auto renewal going through on my card or me calling you to figure that out, I'm just going to you're just going to let it go. Just gonna let it <laughs> you're just going to let so it go. Hobby's, Hear that, everybody. Javi's <laughs> been running birdsup.com for free for years now. So yeah, that's you know, awesome. I love uh, that. Yeah. He he was great. He was a college student when I took over, like mm-hmm. when I took that, when I made that site uh, and he started as like the baseball writer. And I think he would even admit I would have to go back and like edit all of this stuff, right? You know, right. like go, you know. And he's like grown into a really good writer, and I I really do think that site is leaps and bounds better than it was when, <laughs> when I was running it. I was not made to be a message board. Guy. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm I a journalist. That. I I write a story, I put it out there, and then I want to move on to the next thing. I don't want to have a conversation for 24 hours about right a, anything. Honestly, you'd but, rather write about it. On paper rather than just having a little message board right, conversation right. or even with somebody in person. And you got to deal with that. the customers and all that yeah, kind of stuff. You don't wanna, it's no. like a business, you know, and right. I just I just don't have the personality to that. So yeah. if you're a UTSA fan or you're somebody who's like getting into UTSA football, starting really paying attention mm-hmm. in the city, I, I cannot recommend birdsup.com enough, not only for the information, but just from yeah. the community. They put on tailgates and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a fun thing to get to. For sure. All righty, let's, uh, I guess let's finish up this with a few UTSA questions. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and do uh, ask one of the obvious ones first. Who do you think the bigger loss is, running back Sincere McCormick or linebacker Clarence Hicks? I'm, I think I'm going to surprise people. I think it's Clarence Hicks for the reasons that Javi and I were kind of talking about, right? Like, for sure. I'm a believer that your run game has as much to do, if not more to do, with your offensive line than your running back. Mm-hmm. Sincere McCormick behind a bad offensive line is – is not as good as a 
average running back behind a really good offensive line. Like, mm-hmm. give me average running back, awesome offensive line over a great running back, average offensive line. So I, I think the running game is going to be fine. Frank Harris can run. He, you know, that passing game is going to be really, really good. So I think offensive-wise, it, it's going to be fine. Right. What they're missing, though, is that pass rush. And Clarence mm-hmm. Hicks, with 10.5 sacks last year, set a record, probably should have been the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. I think they just didn't want to give everything to UTSA, yeah. and so he didn't get that one. But I think – they're not. They don't have a, a for a for sure fire like that. Dude's coming off the edge, and that's what Clarence Hicks provided UTSA. I think finding that pass pass rush threat yeah. is going to be the biggest question mark for the Roadrunners going into the season. Well, and you heard uh, Javi too. He said that Jeff Trailer's always going to be in that run based offense yeah. mindset. So they're always going to have those backup running backs, those backup tight ends that can that can fulfill that running game pretty easily. But you're not always going to have that those defensive guys, those linebackers that can take a place of Clarence Hicks. You can scheme your running game. Yes. Right? You can come up with interesting and creative ways for your running games to work. On defense, it's more about just being a dude. Right. Right? You can either get to the quarterback or you can't. And Clarence Hicks in 2020 couldn't. He had a lot of pressures, but he didn't get a single sack. Right. And over that offseason, he became a pass-rushing specialist that could finish, you know, at the quarterback. And maybe UTSA has a guy or two – that's making that exact same transition right now behind the scenes, but we haven't seen it yet until the Roadrunners can prove like, hey, this guy can get after the passer. I think Clarence Hicks is the biggest loss from that team last year. For sure. Let's go with, uh, is UTSA the favorite to win Conference USA? They won the regular season and they won the Conference USA championship last year. So are they the favorites to repeat? Maybe just regular season, maybe championship game. What are your thoughts? I, I think like Javi, it's it's getting out of that out of conference schedule unscathed, right? Like I don't care so much about the record. I want to know about the health. Right. Right? Like does UTSA get out of those three games as the same roadrunner team that we're looking at on paper? Because mm-hmm. if they are healthy and Frank Harris is healthy, those wide receivers are healthy, and the defense comes around, on paper, the only team that could compete with them for conference championship is UAB. Yep. You know, Western Kentucky is going to take a step back this year with Bailey Zappi, Jarrett Stearns being gone. So I see this as a two-team race between UAB and UTSA, that UAB has the better defense, UTSA has the better offense, at least going into the season, and we'll see which one kind of matters more or, or which of those other units steps up. Mm-hmm. Does the UAB offense really step up? Does the UTSA defense really step up? I think we see those two teams play in the conference championship game. Do you think this season for them could be a little bit more of a mind game? Because – like we mentioned with Javi, their first three games, you've got Houston, Army, and Texas. What if they go 0-3? Yeah. You, get, you get Texas Southern, which is probably a win. But what if you go – It better be. It better be, yes. So what if you go into conference play, one in th- would be 1-3 and three at that point. I think that's you know? a great way to put it. I do think it's mental because you're, last year they started 11-0. Yep. And everybody in the city, everybody on campus, all of their family, all their friends, right – patting them on the back, telling them how great mm-hmm. they are. They were the best football team in UTSA history. I know that's not a long history, so take that with a grain of salt. But everybody's telling you, you are the best to ever play here. Like, y'all are great. You win a conference championship. You get ranked, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That same group of guys, or at least pretty close to that same group of guys, may be looking at 0-3 this yeah. year. And you're not going to get as much praise, right? Your mm-hmm. friends, your parents, your girlfriends, all, they're not – social media, there's going to be some negativity. You're going to have to step up in other ways. How do you handle that? Right. How do you handle that? And so I think that's why Jeff Trailer has adopted this bull don't care saying. Mm-hmm. You know, for those who don't know, Jeff Trailerisms are – you know, they're like Ted Lasso, right? Like he's just a guy who can like come up with a phrase. And the one for this year is bull don't care because the bull doesn't care if you're the rodeo champion or if you're the worst bull rider of all time. He just wants you off his back. Right. And that's what UTSA is going to have to deal with this year is being this program that now has expectations, having an out of conference schedule that's going to be really hard. How do those two things meld and how do you stick together? And I think that's why Trailer has to require or rely on his high school roots and think of it as non district and district. And we've seen teams go and win state championships with 0 and 4, 0 and 5 district records. Mm -hmm. Right. It does not matter. It all gets thrown out. UTSA isn't playing for a college football playoff spot. Okay? Yep. The record does not matter. What matters is your conference. And if they if they go 0-3 to start the year but win Conference USA, that's a better season than if they go 1-2, and 2-1, and one, and then don't win Conference USA. Right. So this is all about the conference this year, all about winning Conference USA, and all about setting yourself up to move to the American. Mm-hmm. And let's close it out with that. Speaking of, 
what can UTSA be in the American Athletic Conference? And I think the first game of the season is going to be a big indicator of how they're going to be able to compete with, and even though Houston will be moving to the Big 12, that's still a Conference USA versus American, American right. setup right then. Yeah, I think it's a good litmus test for UTSA to yeah. kind of see what the difference is. Can they hang are. with right. the top? Of Not the only just American. the players, but the coaching staff, right? To really like see up close, okay, here's where we're at, here's where we need to be. You know, I, I think UTSA had really ro- risen to the top of Conference USA in terms of spending, mm-hmm. right? Trailer gets that $2.8 million 10-year extension. The facilities, as Javi mentioned, are incredible. now. Like, when I was covering UTSA, they were doing everything out of, like, a portable trailer. Right. Like, that, you drove off campus to go do, like, an interview or whatever. Like, now it's all there at the race facility. They're going to have to step it up even more for the American. Right? Yep. They're about right. they're about mid-table spending-wise at the American. It's hard to expect money money wins yep. in, in college football. Right. It just does. And so until they kind of get to the top of spending in the American, I see them as a middle-of-the-table team. Uh, Coaching is going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Jeff Trailer is a tremendous coach, so that, that kind of uh, helps. But it's going to be an adjustment period. I don't expect them to walk into the American – and just dominate the way that they mm-hmm. are currently in Conference USA. It's going to be an adjustment specifically after they lose this group of players. When yeah. Frank Harris is gone, when Sakari Franklin's gone, when Rashad Wisdom is gone, who steps up and becomes the UTSA football program after that in For the sure. American? We're going to have to find that out, and that's going to be, to me, the most fascinating thing to watch UTSA over the next couple of years is who are those next leaders? Because Frank Wilson, who got fired rightfully – doesn't get the credit he deserves for getting these guys on campus. Mm-hmm. Like all the guys we're mentioning were there when Jeff Trailer got the, there, yep. right? So we're going to have to see Jeff Trailer win with his own players in the American. That's going to be as much of an adjustment as moving up. Yeah, for sure. All righty, that will do it. I think we lived through this one. I think we did too. I, was I think nervous. you know what? I think we did. I, was nervous I think we did pretty good. I'm not we a natural host. <laughs> I'm not a you natural host. I want ish back as soon <laughs> as soon as possible you want to produce too i thought about prank i thought about pranking him and asking him like hey man i'm super nervous can you just call in can you just well, call like in? we did last yeah. time we made him host yeah. over the phone can you just call in for 25 30 minutes and just like get us through the first section or yeah. whatever until i find my footing but i think we survived thank you for listening to another yes. episode of republic of football i know this is normally when he tells you how many episodes we've done this it's, is uh 207 i'm i guess i'm the the 207. Okay, 207. That, so, For yeah. me, this is just episode two. I think we should start over. As <laughs> I think so, the, as too. You know show. what? I think we so, should, too. Episode two in the books. We appreciate you listening. Again, yes. go check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Live iTunes. Live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Every Wednesday at 2 p.m. We'll be here. Uh, those ratings really help us. We have interviewed 11 of the 12 FBS head coaches in the state. Jimbo Fisher, call Coming me back, bro. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>